0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a
1: no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network.
0: The us that's on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Shut
1: there. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two time Dan Levitard
0: Show SUI winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks.
1: Razorback Nation, welcome into episode 192 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. If you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Please be sure and do that, and leave us a written review and a five star rating. Helps us get our name out there and reach more people, guys. As always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part—it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive fifty percent on your welcome bonus from your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I've got a special guest with me tonight to host. Longtime listeners will remember this man. He is actually still in. In our opening there in a, in a couple of clips And he's the godfather of the Hog Talk Podcast Originally known as the Hog Pen Mr. Jacob Davis Jacob, welcome back It's good to have you,
0: man thank hey, God this gives me chills I haven't heard this in so long You know, it's, <laughs> it's great to be back
1: yeah, it's been a while since you, I know you were on in October with me and Kevin, the f- last time that you and I did one, man, it's probably been over a year. It's now. been a while well over a year. Oh, and yeah. I got to apologize to you publicly. We've talked about this on the show a couple of times. But the last time we had you on, I was a little tired, I think, and I had a little bit of a a, a editing miscue. And the next thing I know, a couple of days later, I think Porter and Cabo had actually said something about this. But two days after we had posted the pod i get on and i check our ratings and we've got a new one it's a three star or actually no this one was a one star i believe i I can't remember exactly (laughs) but it says that you know awful editing or something about good content awful editing and it mentioned about how this music just started going when somebody was talking well you happen to be that somebody that was talking and the next thing i know is our intro is playing as you're trying to uh to make a point. So I do apologize about that. That's actually the only I've messed up on editing a couple of times, but that's probably the worst one that I've ever had.
0: Well, you know, I've probably had my couple of blunders. I mean, I was around for the first hundred episodes and gosh, dog, I remember it was, it was hard editing a show back when you didn't really know how to edit anything. And so Now, you know, I don't have to do it anymore. So that's
1: really cool. Yeah, yeah, getting the sound. So now we're blessed to have a soundboard right here next to me that makes my life so much easier. Used to, we'd have to just, we'd record the content and we would add music or add this and add that. Now I just pretty much just take it off the soundboard, upload it to my computer and it's, uh, it's good to go. But, um, yeah, definitely look forward to talking some sports, some Razorback sports here. We'll start off with softball. They fell in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, won to nothing. They were the number two seed and lost to number seven, Tennessee. Mary Half pitched another gem. Now, again, they lost one to nothing, and that one run for Tennessee was a home run. But besides that, uh, she was just great. Uh, she, pitched, she gave up. Uh, I think it was maybe just two or three hits besides that. But uh, Mary Half just been one of the best players in the country this year. Overall, there's a reason why she's one of the finalists, top ten finalists for the player of the year. And uh, just a a phenomenal performance overall throughout this entire year. And you didn't have Braxton Burnside in this one, which was big-time hurt. I mean, this – this team, Jacob, they've had an incredible season, but they've been in a little bit of a hitting slump this year. They just, or, or this uh, last couple of weeks, really mainly in the LSU series. You saw a couple of low scoring games. I know that they ended up winning that winning that series, but nonetheless, um, you know, as we get into regionals here. The ultimate goal is not the SEC championship. It's good to win it. They've got a share of that with Florida in the regular season. But here we are, you know, here just a week out before we start the regionals, and that's when it really all means something.
0: Yeah, you're right. Oh, Mary Hatch, I mean, hats off to her. I know, I know you guys have talked a lot about this whole softball team, but she's the ace. I mean, she has been so impressive this year. I mean, obviously she had seven innings pitched today. Only allowed two hits uh, on one earned run today. Um, I mean, she had a pretty good, solid performance, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, and they do they they have been on a slump as of late. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, at bats right now. They had 22 at bats and only one hit. Yeah, Ugh, both crazy. both pitchers. It was a pitcher's duel out there. I watched the first uh, four or five innings before I had to leave uh, for supper time and. I mean, I would – I have not ever, you know, really watched a lot of softball up until this past season. And I've watched a little bit with Daniel Gibson and Braxton Burns. I've kind of watched – I mean, because it's been trendy. I mean, you go 1-25 in SEC play. Nobody's watching you. And now all of a sudden, three years later, here you are the best team in the SEC, 40-9 and overall. And and now all the eyes are on you. But I really – I really, you know, a first round exit usually happens to any kind of race back team. Uh-huh. It happens to us all the time. You know, we never, we can never get to the quarterfinals. We never can get to the semifinals. But, but just because they they've gone one and done, uh, hats off to Tennessee. They're a seven seed and like they've only lost, they won 40 games this year too. It shows how uh, much depth there is in this conference. Yeah,
1: Tennessee's Ashley Rogers has just been dominant on Wednesday and Thursday pitching. She only gave up, like you said, that one hit. Pitched a complete game uh, and had 12 strikeouts. Now Mary Half she had eight strikeouts of her own. We pull up her stats she she had her five strikeouts of her own so like i said she gave up that that one home run but besides that just gave up two hits struck out five she pitched a complete game as well so you know she did what she had to do just didn't get much help from uh didn't really get any help from uh the the girls at the plate there but no you know jacob that's like like we said it's really just what it boils down to is what it it comes to regionals and it looks like it's pretty much all but decided that the razorbacks are going to host but you got to hope they can at least do something. Because I'll say this, after the women's basketball team lost to Wright State in the first round of the NCAA tournament, we we praised them all season. And and what a phenomenal year that they had, beating two top five teams. But I just got to say, if the softball team goes and they lose in the first round there, yeah, it's great. They, from what they've come from, you still are going to celebrate a great season. Courtney Dyfle, the SEC Coach of the Year, Mary Half, the Co-Pitcher of the Year, with Alabama's Montana Fouts. But you just hope that they're not going to get bounced in the first round because that would be a, in my in my eyes that would be a disappointing season. I, I think that in some ways that the women's basketball team had a disappointing season just because of the way that it ended. Again, you got to praise those top five wins. Nobody really beats UConn, especially. You've seen Baylor go down plenty of times, as great as they've been over the last 20 years or so. But you just don't see UConn get beat that very much at all. So doing that, what they did this year, you can't take anything away from them. But you just got to hope that that the ladybacks can put this behind us. Braxton Burnside, we don't really know what's going on with her. It's a day-to-day injury that was not listed. Courtney Diefel uh, is really private about that stuff. Some coaches are, and that's okay. They have the right to be. A couple of weeks ago, Autumn Storms had a, I think it was a back injury that she wasn't really disclosing until after Autumn had come back. And so there, that's just kind of you know how she uh, chooses to go about those things. But we will find out on Sunday the seating for the Razorbacks. The, that is going to be on Sunday night at eight p.m. That's uh, Central Time. That's so uh, nine p.m. Uh, Eastern for any Razorback fans on the East Coast. And so on ESPN with Beth Mowens along with others. And Jacob, I don't know. I don't know. if You said you don't uh, watch a whole lot of softball. I guess it's Beth Mowens, Actually, is how you pronounce her name. But mm-hmm. she may not be yeah. the greatest at at commentating on football. But she is amazing with salt, but she's even really good with baseball too. I, I love listening to her and, uh, she hosts a really good show when they do the selections.
0: Oh yeah. I like, I like all the lady announcers. I'm not biased at all. Uh, I think, uh, Doris Burke, Miss Maryland, I mean, Holly Rowe oh, yeah. Of
1: course, Holly Rowe's more of a yeah. more of a sideline reporter, but um, you yeah. Know, of course, overcoming cancer, her she's got a great story as well. But yeah, Holly Rowe, yep. all of them. I, I just love that time of year when you you hear the uh, during the postseason, especially that that theme right. music. Uh, and so we're there. We're just a week away from softball, and we're getting really close to uh, with baseball as well, which we'll get into right. here in a later segment. But. We'll get into some uh, recruiting here. Jacob, I know that's something that you and I have done a lot of podcasts about oh, here yeah. in the past. That's something that you cover there with the Arkansas Fight, which I guess I forgot to mention there in the opening. Jacob is the managing editor of the Arkansas Fight. You can catch all of their content at ArkansasFight.com, and they're also on all the social medias as well. You're Arkansas Fight on pretty much every social media platform, right? The Twitter, yeah, Facebook. yeah. And so, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, and you can always catch some recruiting stories and all, all the stuff there on the site. There are plenty of great stories, and he's got some great writers that uh, do a, do a phenomenal job. But one thing that we forgot to mention on Monday's show, Amari Harris. Four-star offensive tackle out of Pulaski Robinson High School. 6'7", about 370, 375. He turned down offers from Bama, OU, Georgia. He's got them all across the board. I think Bama actually was his first offer, or one of them, in like ninth or 10th grade. So this kid has been making noise since a very young age. His dad, Elliot. Was a defensive lineman on those teams in the early two thousands with with Jeb Huckaba, um, oh man, Tony Bua. I was I was going blank on some of those names. Ken Hamlin, those great defenses of the early two thousands, and he committed on Mother's Day to the Razorbacks. Now the, our class, Jacob, right now ranks twelfth in the country. You got to think that's probably not going to last. It's going to be really really tough for the Razorbacks to finish with a top twenty class right now. They're fifth in the SEC. You know, I'll say this about Sam Pittman. We, we've mentioned it before, but you just got to continue to admire the way that he is hitting the recruiting trail. La- he, he let a couple of coaches go. Allegedly, some of those re- – like John Cooper, for instance, at tight end. Derek LeBlanc, which there were some rumors that he had been wanting to go to the NFL for a little while, our former defensive line coach. They let a couple of coaches go, allegedly, because Sam just wasn't really too pleased with the way that they recruited and they didn't score the players that he felt like they could have scored, that just shows how serious he is. And they had a pretty respectable class last year. But he knows what it takes to win in this league. He's been at Georgia. He's seen the kind of guys that they can get there, and he knows what it takes to get to SEC championships. And he's showing again, and this coaching staff is showing again, that they are really serious about it, once again, getting a player of the caliber that and Harris is
0: absolutely and you, you look at it yeah Alabama was his first offer and anytime Alabama usually they can get anybody who they want I mean you, you say hey you lay those six uh, national championship rings on the table as you walk in and say hey I just want you you're probably not going to play a lot until you're a junior or a senior but I want you you're hundred seventy 370 pounds you're I mean you're, you're exactly what Alabama likes to have on the offensive line you know it, it's it's exciting because you can say Sam Pittman obviously didn't walk into my living room, but he was sitting there in my living room on Zoom telling me exactly how he wants me to be. And I can tell him right now that, hey, I've got the highest paid center in the NFL right now, the Detroit Lions, Frank Ragnall. What are you going to say to that? You know, no, but not a single player in Alabama, not a single player in the whole entire country that played college football that's now in the NFL. That's a center. is not as highly paid as Frank Ragnow. That's a testament to old, uh, Sam Pittman. He got him to Arkansas, and I guarantee you that's what old Sam Pittman can say to these big offensive linemen, and Brad Davis can say to these big offensive linemen, look who I've coached. Look who i put in the league, and Marion Harris and Andrew Chambly are going to be the next two guys that are on the Arkansas Razorback offensive line that are going to play professional football.
1: Yeah, Andrew Chambly, 6'6", 285. I think he's actually closer to around the 300 range the last time I saw him. I mean, not that I can eyeball that really well, but he's another big one as well. And his teammate, Nico Davale, which another highly recruited guy. There's some that are saying – I've heard anything from Auburn to Georgia. I haven't heard Arkansas very many times for Nico. Now, that's just he said, she said type stuff. He announced, I believe it's June 27th, that he said that he's going to announce. Now, you know, he does have family. For We've mentioned this before on the show that he does have family from Louisiana. uh, His family was actually a a Katrina refugee, and I've shared this one before, too, that when I was talking with him last summer, I did an article over him back, I think it was in July or August, and we're talking on the phone, and I don't really think about how old I am sometimes. And I mean, I'm in my early 30s, but still, you know, it's been a while since I've been in high school. And I was asking him about that whenever they moved here, and he had told me that they came from – Lived from Louisiana during the, those times, and I said, "Oh, what were you? Maybe five, six? He was like, "No, I, I was one. I was uh, just in diapers, basically." <laughs> and so it just kind of tells your age how uh, how how quickly time passes. Yeah. But but yeah, Nico is uh, another really good one. Man, that kid is just a freak athlete. Really, oh, you know, yeah. how all of his offers began to roll in? It all started with a dunked ba- a crazy tomahawk dunk basketball. And they sent it out to coaches, and Brent Dearman, who is now at Middle Tennessee State, the offensive coordinator there, was at Kansas, he called and offered, and that's pretty much when they all began to start rolling in last summer. But, but, Jacob, you look at this class, like I said, 12th in the country, fifth in the SEC, Miles Rouser, a four-star safety out of Michigan. You score him, Rashad DeBinion, which that's that great pipeline that Jimmy Smith, the running backs coach, has to Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia there. You flip Quincy McAdoo. Kenny Guyton comes in, and there's, you know, with the whole Mike Woods thing, there's rumors of whether he's going to make it or not. You know, people are just, without even knowing anything, coming out and saying that he should be fired and this and that. He ends up flipping. I'm not saying he was the only person that did that, but he played a part in flipping Quincy McAdoo, the Clarendon athlete, from Florida State to Arkansas. And then you've got another running back in there, James Joyner, along with Rashad DeBinion, who has been probably the number one recruiter for this class. He has just been all over the place. It was almost like he he pretty much called uh, essentially in a cryptic tweet that Quincy McAdoo was going to flip from Florida State to Arkansas. He's been tweeting Nico Davile lately. So he has been our number one recruiter for this class, no question. If football doesn't work out for him in the near – like, you know, after college or whatever, you would hope it does. But I'm just saying he has definitely got a career as a recruiter, coach, something like that.
0: Absolutely. No, he's he's entertaining to follow on Twitter for sure. Uh, Nico Davier, uh I tell you, he's an athlete. He's a really good-looking kid uh, at defensive tackle, uh, a kid that's really athletic. Uh, he has a size. His game actually kind of reminds me of more of an Enoch Jackson because if you look at the high school tape, how he can bend, how he can get, uh, get around, how, he, how low he sets uh, on the defensive line, he's really athletic. And so I really think that's a, that's a big key uh, of what Arkansas is trying to do under the uh, new defensive line, our defensive tackles coach, you know, trying to get a uh, trying to get guys more athletic because Arkansas, I mean, over the past twenty years, I can't think of many guys. I mean, it's one every four years that's just an athletic freaking nature. I mean, you think about the last great athletic defensive end or tackle that we've had was the Trey Flowers and and Darius uh combo there in two thousand fourteen that's the last time we really had a defensive line that, that could really get pressure on the quarterback. And I think that's what uh, they're trying to target on the defensive side of the ball under Barry Odom, uh, trying to trying to get more of an attacking defense or aggressive defense. And Nico Davia, Davia, he would, be a great addition to this Arkansas defensive line
1: and that almost outside of linebacker quality linebacker depth which I feel much better about the linebackers than I did this time last year everybody I think felt pretty good about bumper pull but you were kind of on the fence there about Grant Morgan and he obviously proved many people including myself wrong but other than that you're just kind of like eh, what you know Hayden Henry he's got a lot of experience there but can he be consistent D.D. Edwards, there's there's so many of them. Is Andrew Parker still on, on the roster? I know that he had a lot of hype coming in, but
0: I don't even – is he still even on campus? He's he's still there. He's just – he's battled a lot of injuries. I yeah. think he had a knee injury as soon as he got to campus. The guy looks the part out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Six foot two, six foot three, like 240 pounds when he came to campus as a true freshman. You're just like, this dude's going to be a stud. Texas A&M and Texas came in late on him. We beat both of them got him on campus and he just really hasn't materialized as as a hog yet but we'll, we'll see i think i think you have i mean this is going to be what is it, his fourth year on campus i think he was a I think 2018 was, yeah, guy yeah,
1: he was he was chad's he was, first yeah. class because i think that, yeah, that was so, really shocking because everybody thought it was going to be like you said a&m or texas it was pretty yeah. much going to be one of those schools, and. So yeah, he's been around for a little while, and then you've also got guys like Keelan Burr, I'm sure probably pronounce. I probably pronounced. I was telling Cabo and Porter last show that I went until the final seconds without saying somebody's name wrong <laughs> or or mispronounced. But, uh, but yeah, Keelan Burrell, What is he going to do? Guys like coming in like Christopher Pooh, Paul. So there's a lot of questions there. Once you get past Grant Morgan and Bumper Pull, and as we saw last year, those guys played hurt a lot, and they actually – both of them missed a game or two. And so, I think Grant – I know Bumper missed a game. I can't remember if Grant actually missed a full game or not. But, yeah, right past there – it's it's really a lot of questions and then the pass rush. There is no question. I think that we all know what the secondary can do. We feel we have a lot of faith in them, just Greg Brooks and, and of course, Jalen Catalan, who I think is without question the best safety in the SEC, arguably the country. I don't want to say the entire country because I, I – haven't watched every single person, no. or didn't watch every team last year, but yeah, it's really a
0: question. Mo Brown too,
1: yeah, Monteric Brown. There, there's yeah. there's all kinds, and then even Ladarius Bishop that made a lot of progress later on in the season, and so it's really that you know that pass rush and and the linebackers past Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool are going to be. Uh, the biggest questions going into next year on the defense. And that seems to be what the area, some of the areas that, that this coaching staff is recruiting. And so it's uh, very refreshing to see, but we're up against a break. And we, when we return, we'll discuss Arkansas's new basketball assistant coaching hire and preview the Tennessee series. Stay with us. You're listening to the hog talk podcast, part of the believe and hit that line podcast network with American national. You get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Wrapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 192 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland and Jacob Davis here with you. We're going to discuss really quick the new assistant coach Keith Smart who took the spot of David Patrick after he took the associate head coach job on Porter Moser's staff there at Oklahoma. Coach Smart has head coaching and assistant coaching experience in the NBA as well as overseas, I believe a lot. A very similar Resume to Coach Mus and Jacob. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter on Thursday, but Little Mus Michael Musselman put a graphic of of Eric and Clay Moser Earl Boykins and now Keith Smart of how they they all combined have over sixty years of NBA experience. And I, I don't think that you're going to, you, you, it's pretty much impossible to find that on any other staff in the entire country. And I know that some are going to say, well, what would they do in the NBA? They all, every one of them that was a head coach mainly talking about smart and must may have had losing records, but it's not about that. It really, that's completely irrelevant. It's the fact of the matter of something that we've talked about on this show so many different times that they have been in plenty of NBA draft rooms. They know They have all these connections in the league. They know exactly what it takes to get there. And that's exactly the recruiting pitch that you want to have for these kids these days. That was one of the knocks that we had on Mike Anderson was that he really didn't have a lot of great relationships with some NBA personnel, whether it be coaches, scouts. There was a lot of rumors about that. I mean, I really don't know exactly how true that was, but the rumors had swirled for many years, but It seems like that this is the complete opposite. Actually, it doesn't seem like it is way different with Coach Musk with the way that they are handling their business. And there's just really uh, no – I don't know really how else you could recruit pitching something better like that, knowing that this entire coaching staff essentially has spent a pretty decent amount of time in the the highest stage that there is for basketball.
0: Yeah, he's coached 22 years uh, in the uh, professional league's I mean, he, he coached at Fort Wayne, uh, in the CBA, which is also another place where Eric Musselman coached. uh, coached at Cleveland. I didn't realize that, uh, the, he, he coached from '02 2 to 3 at Cleveland, uh, was a head coach at Golden State, which also Eric Musselman was a, uh, uh, head coach at Golden State, but this is a couple of years after, after Musselman left. And he also had a, had a couple of years where he spent at Sacramento. Uh, he didn't have a spectacular professional record, but, he has those, like you said, those, those, uh, those relationships with NBA uh, coaches, NBA scouts uh, that that will pay dividends. I mean, Arkansas never had this that I know of. I mean, at the collegiate level, yeah. I mean, there, there's been lots and lots of uh, buddy system throughout the years at Arkansas and the basketball uh, in on, on the basketball uh, side of things. But this is like the first time I've ever seen. Uh, the Razorbacks have such a long list of achievements and a long list of, of things that like 60 years, of professional basketball, uh, experience. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how to, I don't know exactly the words, how to put it, that, that just, that it's remarkable, uh, what Musselman and, and what your check is doing. I mean, that's, I mean, a high five and a tip of the hat to Eric, uh, to Hunter check for the job he's done and, and getting Eric Musselman here. Nobody, Everybody knew he could be good, but nobody knew, so far, so good. Well,
1: and you hate to lose a David Patrick. You hate to lose a Corey Williams. You even hate hated to lose a Chris Crutchfield, because all three of those yeah. guys have proved what – Phenomenal recruiters they are. Chris Crutchfield. Yeah. He's of course. Uh, he's of course got uh, Trey Young and Buddy Hield as his guys that he brought into Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Corey Williams was the staple for bringing in. When we had Devo Davis on the show back in, yeah. I think it was February. He had said you know, Corey Williams was a big reason, and Corey Williams was an Oklahoma State alum. Devo had said right. that Corey Williams was one of the main reasons why he had decommitted from there and came to Arkansas. He was the staple for that top five 2020 class, and then David Patrick, of course. He he's brought in a lot of guys from Australia that have done really well. Of course, Ben Simmons, uh, Del, De, Matthew Dellavedova. Yes. I think is how you pronounce his name. <laughs> Another name that I'm, uh, I've known who he was. Dellavedova Del, or Dellavedova, and I've known who he was since yes. he's been with the the Cavs on those the NBA Cavs. championship team with LeBron, but. Um, yeah, as y'all can tell, the, uh, the pronunciations are not always my strong point, but
0: so you let's be honest though, so, or go ahead, let's be honest. though. would anybody know who Deladova was if it wasn't for LeBron? Oh, no, absolutely not. And he became, an, he became a sensation.
1: He became an he, absolute great. sensation. He's he was awesome. Like, he was kind of like how it was with uh, Jeff Heath, the safety that we yeah. had for so many years that was awful for the Cowboys. There was always a joke that he was the greatest Cowboy of all time because when he did make a play, it was a huge one. It just wasn't very often. Was, I kind of I yeah. feel like that's how it was exactly with, with right. Gallaudova right. too. But but you lose these three guys, and, yeah, it's a big loss. But at the same time, too, you feel like he could even promote from within, whether it would have been Earl Boykins. I don't know that he's. I didn't really think that he was going to promote Michael Musselman yet because Michael's still pretty young. He's like in his early twenty. I even think he's twenty five yet. So he's going to be a coach. There's no question. Like a probably a head coach at the high collegiate level, but it's going to take him a little bit of time. I'm sure he probably wants to learn. He's it's in his blood, and then he can. He's in a great position to uh, to be where he is right now, but. It must just has so much to pick from because Jacob, he doesn't just have connections in the NBA. So many connections in the NBA, he's got them from guys over, which I, I don't think that he would bring somebody in overseas, but he's got it at just about every single level. So as long as he's here, you got to feel like that, not just with him, but with this staff overall, we're going to have second to none almost.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and the recruiting, I mean, who doesn't want to play for coaches that have 60 years of experience? I mean, I, you look back at it, and, and I remember Calipari, Kentucky, uh, he did a graphic like that a few years ago, and it just showed like all the players that they recruited, I mean, I mean, they they have done a great job over and over and over again over there at Kentucky, and, and that's the great way. I mean, being able to market that stuff too on social media, where kids' eyes are all, are at like ninety percent of the time is on their phones, and, and it's just right there. And you know, y'all, y- all it takes is just one time for you to see a graphic or, or and, and it gets your interest. It piques your interest. And I mean, I'm still like that at, at uh, nearly 30 years old. If I see something like a uh, Razorback related that, that looks interesting, I'm going to click on it and I'm going to read it. And and if I see something now, like baby related, I have a, I have a daughter on the way and I, and I see something baby related. I, I'm thinking, Oh, that looks pretty cool. I'll click on it. That, that's the way things are these days. And, and being able to, have accessibility to to your uh, to the program that you like right right now is uh, another thing. I know I'm probably chasing uh, rabbits right now, but uh, you know the access to to kids these days is is second to none. And like that graphic uh, that you were talking about earlier, it can it can pull some eyes over there from from the Kansases, from the Kentuckys, and uh, all the other big blue bloods. And they're saying, oh, why not Arkansas?
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the graphics there because I I actually was scrolling through Twitter a little bit before we recruited, or before we recruited, before we recorded. (laughs) Talking about recruiting, I got that word in my mind, and I noticed that last in April, Muss was number two for Twitter impressions instead of number one, and he had said he spent too much time on the road recruiting or whatever. And so that's just how competitive that guy is. He doesn't want to be just number one on the recruiting trail in basketball. He wants to have that because he knows how important it is he wants to be number Mm -hmm. one in that because he wants to continue to get those impressions and and understand the importance of social media but speaking of recruits that was another thing that happened this week the Razorbacks pulled in grad transfer from Texas A&M Jackson Robinson he was the 67th overall player in the 2020 class the 13th rank. I I guess he's he's more of a uh, kind of like a type of player that must likes he can play multiple positions he was listed as the Mm -hmm. 13th ranked small forward coming out of, of high school but but also listed as a shooting guard, too, there. So yeah. uh, I guess that's what he I, – I didn't really watch Texas A&M at all last year besides our game that we have with them, even though the first two got canceled like a million times, it seemed like. But uh, I never really saw him play. I know he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Jacob, I know it was like two – Points per game in like thirteen. Yeah, games or like one rebound. Yeah, yeah. But they, and people also have to remember that they did not play for an entire month. Literally, like I was they about didn't, to say that they didn't too. do anything. Yeah. So it just kind of seemed like a tough situation over there. I think Buzz Williams is going to do a good job. He's actually. I'm not a big A and M guy, like most Arkansas fans aren't. Some that's their most hated team. Most people know that mine would be Ole Miss. I don't really have a problem with the Aggies that much, but I, I love Buzz Williams. I think he's a great coach, a great guy. But, uh, yeah, things just didn't really go for them this year. But that's a big pickup for us because that's just, again, another player that can play so many different spots on the floor for you, and that is a the positionless players, as they call them, that's exactly what Musk looks for. And it's clear in oh, yeah. the transfer portal, even in, in recruiting, and too. And so, big pickup there for Jackson Robinson. They have just continued to do work in the transfer portal. And so, the final segment that we will be talking about is the baseball series with Tennessee this weekend the Razorbacks will go into Knoxville and face their former hitting coach Tony Vitello and it is going to be full capacity which the Razorbacks announced today Hunter check announced on Thursday that they were going to go 100% he had said on halftime and I mentioned this at the end of Monday's show I had asked the guys like hey you know he, told, he said on halftime that a couple of weeks ago that they were not going to go to full capacity this school year. And then I was like, well, regionals and super regionals are technically after the school year. So is there some kind of loophole there? And we didn't really think that that was going to happen, but he did indeed announce on Thursday that the Florida series will be full capacity. So bomb will be packed out for the first time since... Oh what well, what what is that Jacob? I guess February of 2020 sometime in there right before we got shut down the, for
0: 14 months. I think it was the Grand Grand Canyon series last year. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even know in if we had,
1: I don't even know if we had that one sold out because that was like a I think oh. that was a week series, a week, like a midweek series. It was a week. And yes. So I, I don't even know that we had that one sold out. So it's been well over a year, probably upwards of 14 to 15 months since that's happened and uh Tennessee becomes the fourth The fourth school to do that, I guess up to now it's Ole Miss, LSU, South Carolina, and now Tennessee that announced that they were going to uh, open theirs up to 100%. And for Tennessee, that's not really that much. That's only about uh, three point three and a half or four K. They've probably got the worst baseball facilities uh, in the entire SEC. But either way, you know that they are really excited. Tennessee is kind of similar to Arkansas in that they've experienced some really tough times in football. They've had a pretty good basketball team over the last couple of years, but their baseball teams come out of nowhere. And Vitello has done an an incredible job there. I, I still think – I think that they're one of the top four teams in the SEC, but you got to say that kind of loosely because I really do feel like it's Arkansas and Vanderbilt, and then maybe right under them it's Florida, which, of course, Tennessee did win the Florida series. The only series that they have lost is the, the Vanderbilt one. So, uh, other than Arkansas, they've only so – Arkansas is, of course, perfect in the SEC, and then Tennessee's just lost one series. And so, definitely a tough team, but I, I still – I, and I'll eat my words if I have to. I mentioned it on Monday's show, but I still do not think that they really can compete with the Razorbacks for three games. I just feel like, Jacob, that maybe they'll get them there in like a Saturday or something. I don't think that we're going to sweep it, but I definitely do think that we're going to win it. I just think that we're too powerful of a team.
0: Look, it all comes down to pitching and where where uh, Tennessee's pitching is. So that that's, that's what I want to see. And, and, you know, just from what I've seen out of them, I mean they they allow five six hits of, or runs a ball game, and then there's some nights in the SEC where they pitch one uh, one or two. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough outing. It's on the road. It's going to be in front of a big crowd. But I, I've come to think, look, if they can just get two out of the three and go on into uh, the SEC tournament, not the SEC tournament, but uh, on the Florida next week and into the SEC tournament. And have that momentum going, continuing on. I mean, the Hawks haven't lost a, a series yet this season, so I mean, why bet against them now? Yeah, obviously, I, there's obviously there's some guys on this on this Tennessee team. Sorry, that that do have some up in the bat, but I mean, I think Arkansas has a chance here to to get another one on the road.
1: Yeah, and it all starts with Tennessee. At the plate, it's Evan Russell. That guy's got 12 home runs on yeah. the air. He's batting two forty four, so he doesn't have the highest batting average on the team, but he is a force at the plate. He had three home runs against Jack mm-hmm. Leiter and Vanderbilt in the game two that they won there. Then you've also got Luke Lipsis nine home runs and other nine home runs from Jordan Beck. So these guys, they've got 65 total on the year. And yeah. so they can do some things at the plate. And I, I could definitely see this being a, a, a some high scoring games. And But then again, you know, we think that it's going to be some high scoring games. It could probably end up being some low ones like we had against Georgia. You know, a three to nothing and then a five to three and seven to three, which, you know, seven to three, I guess you can't really say is low. But for some of the, ra- the games the Razorbacks have had, that definitely is. And, and like you said, Jacob, it is going to come down to pitching the, on Friday. You can expect to see Chad Dallas for them. He's got a 3.86 mm-hmm. ERA this year, and he's, he's up six, he gives up about five, six hits a game. So that's something to look for on Friday night. Him versus Wicklander, you feel really good about what you've got with Wicklander there. He can go 5-6 sometimes even seven there. And if he goes seven, that means Cops is coming in automatically. Sometimes you're going to have mm-hmm. Monk in there or Caleb Bolden or whoever, typically Monk on a Friday night there to maybe get you a couple of strikeouts, which we, we covered that on Monday show. But, and then on Saturday, you expect to see Will Heflin. He's a lefty, 4.17 ERA. And he's had fifty one strikeouts, so he has the least amount of all the of all the starting pitchers. Chad Dallas, that I just previously mentioned, he's got eighty-seven. And so they've got a couple of relievers too that have have done some good things. Uh, Redmond Relsh and Kirby Connell both have some decent mm-hmm. ERAs there. They've had around twenty performance, or twenty appearances each there. But the big question for me, Jacob, for Arkansas's pitching. I am most concerned from about Saturday in the fourth, fifth inning, whether Paulette begins to struggle or if when he gets pulled, it's the relief pitching after him. I don't trust the relief pitching that we've had so far on Saturday. It's just not – Zeb Vermillion's just been a liability in particular there. Ryan Costu, you just don't know what you're going to get. He'll come out and he'll throw some strikes, but then sometimes it's just kind of up or down. You just really don't know what you've got with him always. And so it's really from the fourth or fifth inning on Saturday – until usually cops comes in Sunday that I uh, yes. just can, cause you just can't on, on Sundays, whether it's Bolden or mostly been Lyle Lockhart. And I know this is some of this is a repeat of Monday show, but it, you just don't know whether they're going to be able to get out of the second or third. And I'll tell you, I, I, I looked at what we did against Arkansas state and I, and I know you're going to look at their record and you're going to say they're, they're not a good team at all, but Jacob, they scored some runs this year. They put 10 plus on Mississippi state, Ou, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. They mm-hmm. almost—I I think they almost beat Ole Miss. They did beat OU in one of those games. So Arkansas State can score some runs, and we pitched really well against them. And and I, a guy yes. that I would actually like to see a little bit more is Heston Told. Now he hasn't had—he's only had about four point two innings of work this year, but he's only allowed a hit, and he struck out eight. I don't know really what you have to lose right now because you just don't know, especially, like I said, on those Saturday relievers. You don't really know what you've got. I'm not saying he should be like a Sunday start or anything like that, but I do think you should maybe give Jackson Wiggins the start Sunday. Uh, we, we thought that that might happen against Georgia last week. I don't see really what you have to lose. Right now you're going in, you're getting closer to the SEC tournament, to the postseason, and and Connor Nolan looked pretty good against Arkansas State too in that work that he got in in the ninth inning. And so if you can get some respectable relief work from Connor, we're not asking him to set the world on fire, but we're also not asking him to give up six runs in an inning like he did in the uh, – was it the, the LSU, LSU series? In the Yeah, mm-hmm. and so – you know, you, I, I was very happy to see Connor come out and do some good things because he's a guy – he's easy to root for. He comes from a good family. He's a good kid. He came in as a two-sport athlete for the Razorbacks. He chose to play baseball over football and we thought that that was going to be the best decision for him as he was our Friday night guy before the season ended last year and got shut down and he just really hasn't been able to get it going other than when he finally did against Arkansas State so you hope that that just really begins to turn the corner for him we get that he's been he was out for 2 months and really just was extremely rusty against LSU but we're going to have to have that that reliable relief pitching. I really question how much Van, Dave Van Horn really trusts a lot of these guys. Elijah Tress is a, is one that really has regressed. He he was just not on the other night and Dave came out, took the ball right from him, didn't even look at him. Just essentially nope. said, "Look, you know, we got it. and he he has been quite impatient this year because he's going to put guys out there that are going to throw strikes. You haven't seen Matt Hobbs visit the mound a lot. It's normally Van Horn going out there to make a change. And in a way, that's a good thing because it's showing, look, we need guys out there that we can trust because it's very clear that this could be a national championship team with what they have done. They've been the consensus consensus number one all this time. And so I really do believe that it is about time. And, look, I'm just a guy talking behind a microphone. I don't get paid thousands or millions of dollars to coach. I don't think Dave's quite hit the million-dollar mark. But I I haven't coached all these years like he has, so my opinion is completely irrelevant. But I do think it's about time to maybe give Jackson Wiggins that start on Sunday. I think that he maybe showed you enough against Arkansas State. He probably should have gone one more inning maybe, but they did have him on a pinch count. And I think that it's time to maybe give him a rip.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, Uh, Jackson. If he can, the thing is, he throws with so much power and so much speed that sometimes, as a true freshman, you kind of have to figure out how can I balance the speed of my pitches along with the velocity and the accuracy. It's one thing to throw hard; it's one as another to throw hard and be accurate and throw strikes. And that's the question: Is he if he gets to start on Sunday, is he going to be able to do that? Uh, you know, and he's he's been my guy. I mean, he's a stud, and he's going to be he's going to be Arkansas's Blaine Knight before long. I mean, you, you look at him; he has those those big curly blonde locks. He's tall, long, throws hard. He's a guy that's easy to root for, and he, that you want on the that you want to to succeed. And then you have Connor Nolan, who who would have thought that after two or three years on campus that he'd be just a a reliever now you know it's kind of a it's kind of something that you didn't expect you thought he was going to be your big arm but you do need those middle relievers leading up to your closers and and obviously i do agree with you with zeb uh who i thought was the guy that would probably end up starting either saturday or sunday too there, you can only have three starters <laughs> yeah. and, and there there is plenty of quality pitching it's just it, I, don't, I don't know if they're just not getting the work in game. And they're just not confident in themselves enough or what it is. I, and that's and a lot of things. That's why I didn't pitch. I played a lot of first base and right field in my baseball uh, playing time because I sucked. <laughs> and I couldn't – I mean, I couldn't hit the glove. I mean, the uh, Coach Lansdale, I mean, bless his heart down there in El he was my uh, P.U.E. and and seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade coach uh, in baseball. And he put me out there on the pitching mound in sixth grade. And I had him four or five years in a row coaching me. That guy, he had the most patience with me because I threw about five pitches. They all hit the dirt before it even hit the pitcher. I mean, I don't even think it made it to the plate, but I was never accurate. I sucked at baseball and, and I didn't have confidence, but he put me in positions to succeed. And I think that's where uh, I think that's what Van Horn is trying to work with right now with these young guys, is trying to figure it out. And I think they're going to end up figuring it out before it's too. It's not going to be too late because this team, uh, even when they pitch terribly, their bats come alive. It's it's crazy how it works.
1: Oh yeah, and that's one thing, Jacob, that I know that it's extremely homer for all for us. Not not us as in you and I, but just as a fan base to call Dave. Even though we do believe Dave Van Horn's the goat, I know that people are going to from other fan bases are going to say, "Oh, where's this national championship?" But there is no question that I that Dave Van Horn is, and there's plenty of former baseball players for the Razorbacks that would tell you this, and I guess they're homers too, whatever you want to say, but they'll tell you, and so many others will, that he's the best in the business at putting guys in positions where they can succeed. That was one thing, one of the first guests that I ever had, actually the first former Razorback that I ever had on my former podcast Tex Hogs was Evan Lee and Evan Lee played multiple positions for the Razorbacks he played sometimes when Clark Egan or actually a couple of games when Clark Egan was a little roughed up he played first base but he also was a really a pitcher and I think well, of course now he's a pitcher in the minor leagues but I also believe he played a little bit of outfield too but DVH yep. just knows where to put guys and some of that also goes back to to Tony Vitallo with with some of the things that he helped build Dave Jorn you know we our coaching staff with Dave Jorn Dave Van Horn and Tony Vitello, those were some of the original guys that really helped take this program to an entire new level. Now, Dave Van Horn took them to the World Series in 04 and 09, but really from 2012 on, I feel like that this has taken another step because we don't just expect to make the regionals or the Super Regionals now. It's a, it's almost like a an unsuccessful season if we don't, or it is an unsuccessful season in a lot of Razorback fans' eyes if we don't go to the College World Series. And so, you know, I, I just feel like this team this year, if they can re- get it figured out, because it, we, we talk about for the last couple of weeks, you know, statewide radio and other podcasts and just people talking in coffee shops or at restaurants, the big topic for baseball is that, that Sunday pitcher, and we've got to find that guy. A lot of teams, if not all, are looking for that guy. Vanderbilt has two top five, top ten pitchers in their starting rotation, and they still – are looking for a third guy too, or at least a guy that uh, can come close to the type of production that I know Jack Leiter's had some struggling times lately, and they he was a healthy scratch last week. But my point is, there are plenty of teams around the country that are in the same position as us, right there. It's just you got to find that as you get closer to the postseason, a guy that you can at least rely on for a minimum of four innings, because you just can't cops can't do it all, and you can't just burn everybody out. So. That uh, series will be, again, uh, Friday through Sunday, the first game Friday, SEC Network Plus at 6.30. Then we get the SEC Network on Saturday, May 15th. Then Sunday at uh, – so that one's at, uh, at, I think, 11 p.m. Actually, you know what? I, I said the first one wrong. So it's 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and then so 5.30 Central Time. And then Saturday's game will be on SEC Network at 11 a.m. Sunday's game at – at noon on sec network plus you ought to stream that one as well we actually jacob i don't know if you've seen but next week against florida we do get two sec network games so we'll get to see uh on the tv give our computers and our phones and all that good stuff rest so but jacob it has been a blast man like i said it's been a while since we've done this at least just you and i one-on-one and you know for those that don't know jacob is uh he's a big reason why i've been able not that i am anything at all but he's a big reason why I'm in the position that I'm in, you know, with the hog talk and all that. I, I, I started writing for him when the hog, when it was the hog pen way back when in 2018 and really just kind of blossomed from there. And, uh, definitely be sure and check out his stuff at the Arkansas fight it's it's incredible There's stories pretty i guess you guys post stuff pretty much daily for the most part i know it's a little bit slow right uh, now but, we, but it's uh yeah, we try to yeah there's there's some great stuff over there and very interactive on you guys even got a tiktok now i think right hey. uh, that you post some stuff on
0: it's fun yeah i need yeah. to i need to up my game though cuz it's getting kind of like you know i, I got to get get more creative I may have to look for an intern for that. <laughs> no. time to <you're> getting old. <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: I know. Sometimes my I, sometimes I realize that my ideas are a little bit, uh, a little bit <laughs> outdated itself. But hey, man, like I said, like I said earlier, that's just part of part of where we're at in life. But you're right. But, well, all right, well, guys, thank you as always for listening. Again, if you haven't, please rate, review, subscribe to the pod. Other than that, that'll do it for Jacob Davis. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We will see you Monday. Go Hogs.
0: Peace out.